Zoe MD Podcast, where we explore topics about work and wellness to help you thrive on and off the job. Join me, obesity medicine physician, Dr. Michelle Johnson, to learn the science behind getting well and staying well. This podcast will focus on navigating the health challenges of the workplace, reclaiming control over your health, and living the complete life you desire. Welcome to another episode of Zoe MD. Today, our guest is Dr. Kaufman. She is an allergist immunologist. You're so happy to have her on. Dr. Kaufman, would you mind introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of information about yourself? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. I'm so excited to be a guest on this podcast. So my name is Karen Kaufman, and I am an allergist immunologist, and I am the owner of Kaufman Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which is an outpatient allergy and immunology practice where I help children and adults who suffer from allergies and recurrent infections and help them to get their life back like they deserve. Our practice is located in Vienna, Virginia, which is right in the Washington, D.C. suburbs. So we help patients all over the greater, you know, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. Well, thank you so much. And so we are now in the season of changing kind of to, to fall, to winter, and everyone has allergies. Can you tell us what are allergies? So an allergic response will happen when the immune system kind of sets up the situation where we become overreactive to things that are triggering us. So a lot of allergens that we find in the environment that are really going to cause the greatest effect of us at the time of change of season are going to include pollen allergens, mold spores, dust, dander from furry animals, cockroach, and feathers. And so these are really some of our, our most prevalent environmental allergies but they cause a whole host of symptoms, including symptoms of what we call rhinitis, which is sort of your runny nose, stuffy nose, post-nasal drip, also eye symptoms like itchy, watery eyes and swelling around the eyes. Symptoms of asthma can be driven by allergy, including coughing, chest tightness, wheezing, or difficulty breathing. And we even see that skin symptoms like itching, dryness, and the development of an inflammatory rash that we call eczema can also be driven by environmental allergens. So through our immune response to exposure to these things, a whole host of symptoms can develop. And not only are they very significant in how they impair our quality of life, but they lead people to take sometimes just lots of over-the-counter medications, or you know, sometimes they may need to go on to see either their primary care provider or even see somebody like me as a specialist. That was such a thorough answer. It answered my next question, which was what are the <laughs> common signs and symptoms of allergies? But if I have some of the common signs and symptoms of allergies, what would you recommend for things like over-the-counter or home treatments? Sure. I think this is such a common question that comes up because, gosh, by the time most people make it to see a specialist like me in my office, they've already tried a lot of things. And so 
you know, people will pull their friends or they'll call their family members, or maybe, you know, they'll ask other, you know, folks that they trust in their community and say, well, what do I take for this? Right. So most people end up in their local drugstore and kind of cruise through the aisles. And there's a lot of options of stuff out there can be really overwhelming. And I start, you know, I kind of refer to this as sort of like the basket syndrome of like, you can put all this stuff in a basket and just look at it and kind of think like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to pick. Common things that people will often start with include antihistamines. So these are, many of them are available over the counter without a prescription. And they include first generation products like diphenhydramine or Benadryl, which is kind of old school, right? It's been around a long time. So it works pretty quickly, but it wears off pretty quickly as well and can be side effect provoking, including symptoms like sedation, which is a common one that we see with with first generation antihistamines. The second generation antihistamines include products like cetirizine or Zyrtec, loratadine or Claritin, fexofenadine or Allegra, levocetirizine, which is Zizol, amongst others. And again, many of these are available over the counter as well. These are usually going to be our longer acting antihistamines that are going to give us, you know, a good 12 to 24 hours of effect, less sedation, less side effects with these products. So these are often kind of more of our go-to starter products. There's a lot of things in the world of decongestants and nasal sprays. So when it comes to decongestants, we've got oral decongestants like pseudofedrin, which you'll find behind the counter where your pharmacist and pharmacy staff are located. Additionally, there are nasal decongestants like oxymetazoline or Afrin as an example. And and these are a little tricky because they really work to kind of vasoconstrict or constrict blood vessels that are in the nasal cavity, which very quickly will reduce congestion. But as that medication wears off, it actually can cause rebound symptoms that'll actually make people feel substantially worse. So we have to be really cautious with the nasal decongestants. Many of our other nasal sprays that are also available without a prescription include our nasal corticosteroids or anti-inflammatories. And these tend to be some of our first-line therapies for symptoms of nasal congestion and post-nasal drip. And these include steroids like fluticasone, budesonide, mimetazone, triamcinolone, et cetera. So, you know, it's really tricky without having a whole lot of knowledge about nasal sprays to walk down an aisle and just to pick one because, you know, you kind of don't, you may not really know what you're going to end up with. And you certainly don't want to end up with one that's going to make your symptoms worse. So if you're in the realm of like really needing to get into add-on therapies, that's a good time to go get seen. Thank you. And when should we, so we have the same symptoms kind of with our adults and our children. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend anything for our kids as a first line treatment before we get to a specialist like yourself? To be honest with you, it's a lot of the same stuff. So, you know, all of the, all of those same medications really come in pediatric dosing. So a lot of times we'll start with, you know, a children's Zyrtec or a children's Claritin or something like that usually is where folks will start for first-line therapy. And even in the realm of nasal sprays, like fluticasone, for example, which one of the brands that falls with fluticasone, excuse me, is Flonase. Flonase has a Sensimist product, which is about a half dose. So it's a nice one to start with for children. So, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff, believe it or not, but even more so than even starting with meds, you know, a great place to start, and especially for kids as we're trying to minimize things, you know, minimize medications in children includes starting with some nasal saline. 
So it could be as easy as putting a little, you know, squeeze bottle of saline with bulb suction, like we do in our, in our infants. And even with some toddlers or as kids get a little bit older, I like to put a little saline in the nose of children as a prompt to help them to blow their nose out. I think nose blowing in kids is a little bit tricky. So, you know, when my kids were little, we used to do this in the bath and I call this the blast and blow technique. Just put a little bit of saline in the nose. That's your blast. And then they're going to just blow their nose. So they can try and do it like in the bathtub where everything's all wet anyways. And I feel like helping kids to learn how to blow, it helps to kind of give them a little target, like, you know, aim for the drain plug and try and blow your nose in that direction. And, uh, and you know, gives them an opportunity to try and get it all out. And then if they're still struggling and they're really not, you know, having effective nose blowing, then, you know, as you kind of put a little water over the child's, you know, head and face and hair and all that stuff and kind of like smush, kind of smush the saline out of the nose and all the nasal mucus and stuff like that. Adults can also use nasal saline and there's a lot of different options when it comes to nasal rinsing. There are the, you know, the metal canisters that are pre-filled with saline. And then we have more of the, you know, nasal and sinus lavage product, like the squeeze bottle or the neti pot, which is a branded product. That's kind of like a tea kettle that you sort of use for gravity flow to help, you know, rinse the sinuses, rinse the nasal cavity and set up that osmotic gradient to kind of pull fluid and mucus out of the nasal cavity. So super helpful, non-medicated. So I like to start with that kind of stuff for sure. So when we have tried all of these things and they're not working, how do we know when we should see a specialist, an allergist, immunologist like yourself? You know, I am, well, obviously I'm an allergist, but I would say come early. But in, in reality, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great idea to come early. And the reason why, especially for kids and so for parents of children is that, you know, we really don't want to just medicate people, right? So, you know, my goal in management is to improve patients' quality of life and reduce their symptoms, but really on the least amount of medications that are required. So a lot of times when we prolong specialty evaluation, people just stay on medications for longer than they may need to, right? So maybe they only have, you know, seasonal triggers at certain times during the year, or maybe they, you know, maybe they're using the wrong stuff. Interestingly, when we talk about rhinitis symptoms, which often the word allergies and rhinitis are kind of used interchangeably. Interestingly, only about 75% of people with rhinitis truly even have allergies. About mm-hmm. 25% of people with the exact same symptoms are non-allergic. And so we manage that stuff differently. So, you know, I would say the best option I think is to kind of get in there, you know, early, get a good diagnostic going. So that way we really know, you know, what is the root of the problem here? Like what exactly is it that we're treating? And then as we start to come up with our treatment plan, we can focus on really targeted environmental control measures, which, you know, like things like nasal saline, but like other environmental control measures don't involve medications, but it involves reducing our exposure to allergens. And as much as we can do that, we should, you know, tailoring medication therapy based on the specific array of allergens that may be relevant. And then of course, you know, for those who are really, you know, symptomatic or they're just sick and tired of taking meds or more and more and more add-on medications or those who really have an impaired quality of life, which, you know, one of the biggest things that people complain about is sleep quality. You know, when sleep quality is poor, there's a lot of fallout in the rest of, you know, the rest of your day-to-day existence, right? So those are folks that really will benefit from something like allergen immunotherapy or allergy shots 
which is the way to, to kind of fix the underlying cause when it comes to environmental allergies. So, you know, we treat children and adults with immunotherapy and they do very, very well with significant symptom reduction. Many will have substantially reduced medication burdens or even come off medications altogether and quality of life substantially improves. So, you know, if that's something that, you know, if you hear that and think, wow, you know, gosh, I would love for that, for my symptoms to go away, or I would love to be able to be controlled on less medicine. You know, you're a great patient to go, you know, get evaluated by an allergist, immunologist, have testing done and and discuss a treatment plan together with your provider. And do you have any recommendations for patients who are coming for their first appointment? Like through any medication they can, they should hold or over the counter things they should stop taking before they see you? You know, that's a good question. We do have patients withhold antihistamines prior to allergy testing. You know, sometimes that's something that we can try and do during a first visit. Sometimes it's something that we'll schedule depending on what the patient's clinical history is. So, you know, what I really prefer is when patients come to see me for an initial visit, I like them to bring a list of all of their medications with them. So that way we know exactly what they're, what they've been taking, things that they've tried and maybe things that have worked or not worked or whatever. I like to really go through their medical histories in great depth. So for folks who really have a more complex medical history, you know, bringing that in writing or some way to keep it organized, make sure we get all of the important stuff is really helpful for us as we start to kind of take that history. But otherwise, you know, I like patients to be open-minded and I like to really sit down with them and go through their full clinical history and, and really get a good handle of, you know, what I feel as a provider, as I interpret what their biggest problems are. And then to really sit down and come up with a collective plan of how to figure that out and how to you know, get these patients better. And I think that patients really appreciate kind of being a team member in that process. And so, I, you know, I occasionally will do testing on the date of the first visit, but often I will schedule it because that way we can kind of get ourselves organized. And sometimes there are other things that need to be done, like, you know, for other aspects of their allergy or immunology history, you know, other evaluation that may be needed with labs or something, and then I'll do that first and then come back and we'll do the testing visit. So, but yeah, it is, you know, it is important that if there's a possibility of having testing done during that first visit, just to check with the office and say, look, you know, let's run through the list of meds that I have and make sure that what I can take is okay. Dr. Kaufman, thank you so much. This was so informative. I really appreciate you coming on and letting us know some of the things that are really affecting our quality of life with the allergies. I would like our listeners to connect with you. How can we connect with you and get more of you? Sure, sure. I can be found on social media, both on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, I can be found at Kaufman Allergy and on Instagram at Allergy. And my website for my practice is kaufmanallergy.com. And again, we are located in Vienna, Virginia. And it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so, so much for having me as part of your podcast. This was a real treat. So thanks. Thank you, Dr. Kaufman.